Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and my co-host today is Miss Jessica Lamb. We are so happy to welcome Tara Lee Cobble to the podcast today. Tara Lee is creator and host of the Bible Recap podcast. She's the author of the Bible Recap book and the founder of D Groups. Guys, Tara Lee has spent years reading the Bible and helping others read the Bible too. And we are just so happy to have her here for our first episode in our This is the Old Testament study. I think this is really going to bless you and encourage you. Let's get right to it. Terry, I am so happy you're here, and I can't believe that we've never actually connected at all, ever. Same. I love that we're getting to right now. I'm so glad. Our heartbeats for the same thing, you know, just like reading God's Word together and inviting other people into it. I'm just thrilled you're here. Thank you for joining us. So glad to be here. Well, and I have good news and bad news. The bad news first, our dear Rachel is still under the weather, but the good news is that our beloved Jessica Lamb is here with us today. She's our editorial director. Jessica, you're a hero. Oh, I mean, thank you. I'm not. But also, I'm (laughs) so excited because as I said when I was prepping for this, boy, I really like to talk about the Bible. So it's a good good thing to get to be (laughs) on the podcast. Listen, she like... It wasn't even a walk. You sort of pranced into my room and grabbed a book off my desk. And as she was leaving my room, it's my office. (laughs) I'm here a lot. I call it my room. And she left the office and she just said, kind of like to no one in particular, I just really love the Bible. (laughs) Oh, yay. That's a a good discussion to get to be a part of. It's fun. We've been looking forward to this. And we've been looking forward to this reading plan. It feels very intentional and on purpose. And that tends, you know, as we know, that's the way the Lord operates, that you're here for this particular episode of this exact study, because this is the first time that we have attempted something like this, where we are kind of doing a survey of the Bible. And you're the girl for that. <laughs> This is what you do. Whenever I saw what we were talking about, I was like, of course, this is what the Lord would do. Of course. Mm -hmm. Makes so much sense. Yes. Well, you know, and we don't, I don't know much about you. I know what I've heard, which is all wonderful things. I've, you know, I know about the Bible Recap podcast and the book and of course, D groups, like so many wonderful things that you're a part of and that you've brought to the church as we just seek to be disciples, right, and follow after Jesus. But one of the things that I loved reading in just the kind of the intro of the Bible recap was how I feel like we have a very similar approach to reading the Bible. Talk to us a little bit about that, about like how, because I read that, you know, used to read the Bible thinking like, what does this say? What does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. Right. And tell us a yeah. little bit about why that is not exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> well, so just a bit of a background. I grew up in the church. My family owns a Christian bookstore. I had access to all the Bibles, all the study Bibles, all the concordance, just everything. And I was in church three times a week and did Awanas and vacation Bible, just every, you name it. I was all the things saturated. Yeah with opportunities to learn about who God is. And in all that time, I never read the Bible until I was in full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. And the first time I read it through was when a pastor friend challenged me to, and he said, read the whole thing. Let your eyes fall on every word, even the genealogies. And he said, you can read the whole thing in a year in 12 minutes a day. And I was like, okay, well, I definitely can't make excuses now because I have 12 minutes a day, (laughs) especially with things like audio Bibles, you know? Yes. Yes. Even that yeah. stat, that 12 minutes a day for an average reader, you can get through the whole Bible. Like that yeah. alone makes it feel so much more approachable than when you Absolutely. just have the book in front of you for the first time and go, ah, what do I do? Where right. do I start? All right. And so he told me to read it chronologically. He said, that'll help mm-hmm. the story make sense. We are people of story by nature. And so when I read it through the first time, I read it like I'd always read it, which is, who am I in the story? What's my application? What's my takeaway? How do I need to go and live mm-hmm. in response to this? And those are great questions to ask for sure, but they're not the first question to ask. Mm-hmm. The first question That's to right ask on. is, yeah. what does this reveal about God? What does this show me about His character? Who is God? Because if I just try to muscle up 
and do what I'm supposed to do without first beholding God, it's going to be gross if I succeed and I'm probably going to fail. So, you know, uh, so reading scripture to look for God was transformative for me. And I didn't do that until my second time through scripture, which meant my first time through, I didn't like the Bible. I was, (laughs) I didn't like God. I was like, he seems mean. I wouldn't have done things that way. I have some better ideas. Why would you do that? Seems like you're contradicting (laughs) yourself here, God. And so my first time through was rough. And then that same pastor said, look for God. Don't look Mm. for yourself. Look for God. I love that. And I also love your honesty because I think that's Mm -hmm. so many people's experience with reading the Bible in different ways. When they actually sit down and read it for themselves, they come across things they're uncomfortable with. It's not maybe what they thought they knew about who God was or how he works. Mm -hmm. And so I think that being able to be honest about that is important. It's an important part of the process of reading scripture to not be afraid of how we're responding, you know, Mm -hmm. to not be ashamed, but to keep going. And that's what you're saying with your second attempt. Yes. This is how I felt. But I'm going to keep reading. Yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. read through a different, a different lens. I'm going to look for different things this time. It's important. It was a yeah. whole different book. It was a whole different <laughs> yeah. book. Completely yeah. different. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because we don't, I feel like we don't require this of ourselves with anything else in life. You know, we don't tell our kids to like, hey, like, here's a U.S. history book. You're going to get it all in the first swing. It's no big deal. Everything's great. (laughs) Like, I mean, anything or like, hey, hey, you're going to learn. Let's learn to play softball. As soon as you step on the field, you're going to know all the rules, know exactly what to do. Your instinct's going to be right on. Like, Mm -hmm. But yet when we open the Bible as believers, and I'm speaking of myself too, Mm -hmm. when I would open the Bible and read something that confused me or made me upset. Like there's some disturbing things. There's, you know, or did just didn't things that I would read as promises and then wonder, well, I thought, why isn't this going the way that I thought that scripture promised that it would go? Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things, it just, you close it and you put it back and like, okay, like I can venture in if I'm maybe sitting in the congregation on a Sunday, and I have my pastor leading me, which, you know, that's a great time to read your Bible. Or, you know, be in a Bible study where you have a Bible teacher who's leading, which that's also great. But what I came to understand is that I could open the Bible on my own. And not only could, I should, (laughs) that that was appropriate and it is part of the Christian life and of following Jesus is reading his word and knowing it and knowing the story. And because that framework, and that's one of the reasons we're so passionate about this particular study, is that we believe that when you when you go through the effort of creating that framework and then you keep reading, the rewards of Bible reading come over time. It's like with anything else that matters in life. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's worth the investment mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, because it's a relationship. That's and right. And so I don't expect to know everything about you the first time that I meet you or have a conversation with you. And if I did, probably I might not want to keep talking to you and hanging out with you, you know? <laughs> right? Not because of yep. who you are as a person, but like, okay, if this is just information and not relationship and right. I've got it all, then I'm good to go and I never need to read my Bible again. And that's not the reality. And so there's, I love that it's this, that God is unsearchable, meaning mm-hmm. it's not that we can't know about Him, it's that we'll never plumb the depths of Him. There's always more to know, which is exciting yeah. to me because I never want to be bored in a relationship. I want to keep yeah. learning new and exciting things and and engaging on new levels, and that's what Scripture is. I'm on my 15th trip through the Bible, and I still learn new stuff. He still stuns me with stuff that jumps off the page at me, and I love that. Yes. like It's just the best. So when I hear people ask me questions like, the Bible's really antiquated. How does this apply to my life today? I'm like... That's like asking how your husband applies to your life mm-hmm. or how your child... It's not a product. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. this is... You're engaging with the living God. The Word is living and active. So I just... My hope is that everybody who's listening today, everybody who has ever tried to read the Bible and failed will come away with a new lens to look through the Bible, you know, through. <laughs> look at the Bible through. And... Yeah. They'll fall in love with God in a way they have always hoped was possible, but have never personally experienced. Yes. Oh, that's a great, I love that. like 
that's going to be my prayer for this study. Well, and then, so here we are, we have the Bible, which maybe we should take a minute to talk about what the Bible is, right? If we are seeking to kind of establish a framework for reading Scripture, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's talk about it. It's a book, but it's not just a book. It's a book of books. Mm -hmm. It is a book of 66 books. And so figuring out how to read not just the book of the Bible, but also the individual books within the Bible, it takes some doing. There are some things that, there are some tools that we have that can help us with that, right? Yes. And I know that this is something that Tara Lee does really well in her writing too, but when we talk about genre and we talk about what is the text itself trying to do, you Mm -hmm. know, if we think about, you know, you would never read a letter from a friend or a classmate the same way you would read that science textbook. They're <laughs> they're written with a different purpose, with a different intention. There are different rules. I'm an English major, formerly. And so that's important, right? You approach different types of literature with different expectations. But so often we just open the Bible and we think, we approach it as though it's, you know, all from the same author, all written with the same rules and expectations. And we don't stop and consider there's poetry, there's legal code, there's mm-hmm. um, there's letters, there's all of these different things that are happening that speak together to tell this big story, but it is important to be aware of what is it you're reading. Otherwise, yes. I think it can be really confusing and it can contribute to people feeling like, oh, this isn't for me or I'm not equipped. When no, no, you are equipped. You know, you, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think, one, I think it's one thing that's really important to remember when we come to scripture. Yeah. And a lot of different authors, but also... Also one author. Also one author, yeah. So, so I mean, there's also that. But the reality is that, that God works through humans, right, to write Scripture. And in that these are not only written by different authors. Some of them wrote lots of books. Some of them not, you know, just one or two. And two, from humans to humans, right? So they were written in a context, in a cultural mm-hmm. and space and time context, and to specific audiences and in specific situations, and so so one of the things now I'm going to go ahead and I don't usually shamelessly plug the study book for for the study that we're in but I would say even though the study has started this study book is going to be really helpful for you guys as you read through this reading plan is called This is the Old Testament and we're going to survey the Old Testament and spoiler alert when we're done We're going to do the New Testament. So we're going to go through the whole Bible this summer, and we're going to take it book by book and look at the themes and the key verses and figure out how all 66 books, how they each fit into the whole and how they fit together. And so this resource, I think, is particularly helpful, and it's one that if you're going to have one of our study books on your shelf, I want it to be this one for right now, like because I think if any of this that we've just said in the last 10 minutes resonates, this is going to be helpful. And next to it, you need the Bible recap. Yes. So you just need those two, <laughs> those two things, Shirley's resource, which is a monster <laughs> of a resource in a good way. Like it's like it has, it really is a handbook in the best way. Well, and I feel like that's something important to point out if, you know, listeners, if you're listening and you don't have the study book or you, you know, push play on your podcast and you weren't sure where we were going to start, I feel like it's important to say that what we're doing this summer as we look at this is the Old Testament, this is the New Testament, is this is not, um, when she reads truth right now, a reading through the entire Bible in 13 weeks. That's such a good point. Yes, I feel Thank like you for making are, that people are shocked, um, which is also why... We should buy the other book, too. Um, (laughs) But what we're doing in this study is we are looking at a thematic survey of all 66 books. Mm -hmm. So every day you'll read, you know, a thematic selection from each book of the Bible. You'll read some supplemental passages from other books of the Bible that sort of speak to how those themes are present throughout Scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, And our goal for this is that you would have a framework. So as you're digging into reading the Bible in a year, you know, 12 minutes a day, as you're sitting in church on a Sunday, as you're in, you know, your small group, you would have this framework that you can continue to build on as you read more and more. So that's our goal for this. And we encourage you, listeners and ourselves, mm-hmm. to to take each thing you're learning as a piece that you can build on, that you could walk away having some more confidence that when you open your Bible, you have an awareness of, oh, that's what that book is about oh, that's how that book is sort of part of the larger story. That's what genre it is. That's mm-hmm. who the writer is talking to, what what was sort of happening when it was written. So you'll have that framework 
and also have that sense of, oh, here's something that it tells us about who God is. Here's what is happening mm-hmm. in this book. So I feel like that's an important thing to point out before people think, I know Tara Lisa, we could read it in 12 minutes a day over a year, but this is a 13-week, you know, two-part study. <laughs> right. That's a lot. That's a lot more reading. This is, yes. We're reading the first five books goals. of the Bible in the first five days. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thematic readings for, for this approach. <laughs> before you got into it, I felt that was a crucial thing for people Thank to be you. encouraged by. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. And so we have... Well, we've got with every book of the Bible, we're going to tell you what the genre is and, you know, kind of what the big picture of the book is. And we're going to read a key passage. The whole Bible is the key passage, right? So like we, this is not the most important section of each book. That's not what we're doing. It's something that represents the theme of each book. So let's dig in. We're going to start this week. Tara Lee, you get the Pentateuch this week. This is what we're... Everybody loves the Pentateuch. Oldie bit of goodie. That's right. (laughs) You know, talk to me about how if you were leading a group of women through the Pentateuch and you were trying to set that up, how do you get someone jazzed about the Pentateuch? Because it does, it feels like, oh yeah, those, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yay. But it's Mm -hmm. not as exciting as like... The Gospels, where you're like, oh, yeah, this is, I know what to do with the Gospels as a reader. But yeah, how do you set up the Pentateuch? I think, first of all, I would say, I know it sounds intimidating. People feel like they can't grasp it, they can't understand it. Yeah. But even just the word is weird if we don't know it, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But these first five books of the Bible, Jewish boys, young Jewish boys in Jesus' day would have these books memorized by the time they were 12. Like, that's crazy. I mean, right, and so if we, they can memorize yeah, it, that's we so, can read it. Yes, and um, that's so, a word. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you can do this. You can do this. And the second thing really is, like I said, when we read scripture to look for ourselves, these parts are going to feel boring. You're going to hit genealogies. You're going to hit a bunch of laws, and you're going to be like, "Do these apply to me? I don't know. If they mm-hmm. do, that seems weird. <laughs> Why do I have to read about all these dead people? This is all getting in the way of the point because the point is me." And when you read scripture to look for God and you're like, wait, okay, what does it tell us about God that he's listing out these people name by name by name? Mm-hmm. What does that reveal about his character? What is it? Why would God make this law? What does this law reveal about God's heart and what motivates him to do what he does? What does it reveal about what God loves? What does it reveal about what God hates? What do I see about God in the existence of this very strange law? Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking for God, it becomes like a whole new treasure hunt and I've had, we have people who do the Bible recap who are like, I never knew Leviticus was going to be my favorite book of the Bible. Yes. I've always hated it. And all of a sudden, and like yeah. there are times when I'm like crying in numbers and I'm like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> you know, so I think it's just chock full of surprises for us when we read it with the right lens. Yes. That's so good. Oh, and that's so such true. a good tee up for this because here we go. <laughs> We're in day one. Of this week's reading, we get to, we're in Genesis because we're in book one, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in Genesis, this book of beginnings where we get creation and, I mean, everything is created. Um, And you get the beginnings of, of sin, but also the beginnings of covenant and like relationship with God. And so, of course, of course, we have Genesis one in this, this first day's reading I feel like we need to read some of this aloud. I think so, too. Um, just because this is what we're doing. If we're doing a Bible survey, let's get going in Genesis 1. Tierley, would you like to read for us in Genesis 1? Um, let's just start with 1 through 5. All right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning, one day. As I was reading through this this week, just preparing for our conversation, it struck me what a gift it is that we have the beginning of the story. Mm. You know, because it's such a We've talked about, you know, creating a framework and a foundation for reading Scripture. But, I mean, even just for knowing who we are and who God is, to have those words in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's just such a gift to know the beginning of our story mm-hmm. and, and God's story and the story, you know, with the 
capital T, capital S. Yeah. Well, and I even love, you know, thinking about the question we asked at the beginning is, what does this tell us about who God is? Mm-hmm. And just one, what an introduction. I mean, okay, here is like the introduction to God for us, right. you know, in terms of... He the, steps onto the stage and, and it's a, creates it's a, with it's words. A big, it's a big, yeah. bold way. But even just what we learn, who is he? He's a God who creates, you know, we'll keep reading about creation and, and his involvement, but he's not absent. He's present. He's in it. You know, he's he's creating people. He's forming them, right? Like he's present. He's giving all of creation tasks and work and things that matter. He's giving them Mm -hmm. animals and nature Mm -hmm. and people something to do. You know, he's telling us what our purpose is. He's giving us value. He's telling us, you know, you are made in my image. I don't know. It's just the point that you're making is if we, is if we read even this first passage in scripture, thinking about that versus thinking about, you know, old earth, new earth creation, or how many literal days it was, or how does the science of this work? But if we step back and say, the scripture is trying to tell us about who God is and how he mm. connects with creation. And what you learn when you can look at that is so beautiful and mm-hmm. mind-blowing, right? Like this yeah. is our God. And the things we learn yeah. about him right away, they are the framework, keeps in that word, yeah. for the entire scripture, right? Who is he? Mm-hmm. And frankly, that matters more than was it literal days. I'm not saying that right. doesn't matter. Truth matters. And, but I, that's not what matters most. Mm-hmm. What matters most here is who we see in God. There's so much information that isn't in the text, and there's so much that we want to know from God, and He's Mm -hmm. like, I've given you what you need to know who I am. This isn't a science book. Mm -hmm. Like, when you talked about types of literature and how that's important, you know, this is a book of the law. It's got history in it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's got, like, stories in it, but it's categorized as a book of the law. And so for me to expect it to be a science textbook, it's like me trying to read the phone book as a love letter. And it's like, no, that's not what it is, you know? (laughs) That's not how this works. Right. And so in revealing God to us, I love, we see the Trinity in the creation Mm -hmm. account. Like God the Father is speaking, Mm -hmm. God the Spirit is hovering over the waters, and the creation account, Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the one who did the manual labor of creation. So Jesus is there in this account. So from the beginning, we see the Trinity jumping off the pages of Scripture, which surprises a lot of people who think that Jesus was created when He was born in Bethlehem. Right. And it's like, no, He's been there all along. He built the world you're standing on. He built it. And... I have a controversial opinion. It's maybe not controversial, but we it's love maybe it. just Bring it. weird. I love a good it's maybe hot just take, weird. Terry. Yes. It's not even an opinion. It's more of just a <laughs> question. You know, a lot of people say that scholars, studied people who are smarter than me, they will tell you that the first prophecy in scripture is when God talks about he will crush your head and you will bruise your heel and you will crush mm-hmm. his head in the snake in the garden. And I wonder if maybe. The first prophecy in Scripture is actually the first words God speaks, that when God says, let there be light, it's maybe maybe it's not just a creation command, maybe it's a promise that mm. in this world that has just been created, that everything's about to go terribly wrong in a very short period of time, to hold on because light is coming. Light, Jesus, is coming. Let there be light in the midst yeah. of all of the destruction and sin and everything that's about to happen, all of the tragedy, all the darkness, light mm-hmm. is coming. And it's just as certain because we see, you know, what we see in this too is we see God's power, that he speaks something, and it just, we get this repeated phrase, and it was so, and it was so. Mm-hmm. Like God spoke, let there be, that there be light, that there be, separates the waters. He does all of this amazing thing. And it's always, and it was so. And we see mm-hmm. his goodness because he delights in his mm-hmm. creation, you know, and he saw that it was good. And so the certainty of, as certain as God's power to say, let there be light, and it was so, is the same with like this more, the metaphorical light, you know, and that you're talking about that it's just as certain that he's going to say, let there be light. And it is so. Mm-hmm. It's that already in the night yet that we keep talking about that the light has already come into the world and the light is coming. Ugh, it's so good. And what you were saying about Jesus and the Trinity, it's such a good such a good point and observation. And we get in this reading day where we have supplemental passages paired, we get, you know, the mirror, the New Testament kind of mirror of Genesis 1 with John 1, starting in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And we know that that word with a capital W, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, all things were created through him. And then you're right in Colossians 1, which is also a part of this reading day, you nailed it. It says the same thing, like, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. And, you know, he holds all things together. How much comfort do we take from that? Mm -hmm. Like he is before all things and he holds all things together. But he can hold all things together because he's the creator of all things. (laughs) Right. Well, and it's what Terry was saying is it's, it's not that Jesus is invented in Bethlehem. That's not where he shows up. And so I think that sometimes as believers, you know, on this side of the cross, we love the New Testament, rightly so. New Testament is amazing. Please no one no right. one hear me saying anything negative about the New Testament. Love the New Testament. But we sometimes treat the Old Testament as, oh, well, why why should I bother? Like I've got Jesus. Like yesterday's yes. news. Right. Yesterday's news. We mm-hmm. do have Jesus. That is mm-hmm. the best news. No one is undermining that news. But also when we read about who God is, that's who Jesus is. They are. It's the Trinity. Mm-hmm. We're seeing his character. We're seeing who he is. And I I think that, you know, we love the Gospels, but also we see in the Old Testament so much of how God interacts and cares for people. Those same things are present. And so I just, um, I'm sometimes sad when I hear people have sort of a disdain for the Old Testament or disinterest in reading it, because exactly what you were saying at the beginning, we keep saying is you see so much of who he is and it's not irrelevant to Jesus. It is Jesus. He's there. Right. He's present. Yeah. They're, they're one and the same. Well, they're three in one, but yes. You know, Jesus, like, he is the image of the invisible God, like Colossians 1 says. He shows us in the flesh what God the Father is like. He reveals yeah. that to him. And the Spirit mm-hmm. is the Spirit of Christ. So anything that we love about the Spirit, anything that we're drawn to about the person of Jesus, those are there to show us the Father's heart. Yes. It's not like God didn't get a personality transplant between the Old Testament (laughs) and the New Testament. Same God. And Jesus is in the Old Testament. That's right. And so when people say to me, like, I just really can't wait until we get to Jesus. And I'm like, I don't know what you've been reading because he's there all along. Yep. Right there. Day one. Yeah, exactly. Genesis 1. So, yeah. It's so good. Another thing I love about Genesis is how it kind of establishes for me the terms of our God, like the kind of the language that it's going to require of us to talk about Him, because He is, you know, in all of His attributes, He is the fullness of those Mm -hmm. attributes and Mm -hmm. all of them all the time. And so we have Isaiah 40 in this reading, and this in verse 28, just these words that you can only say about God, right? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. And so it's just this, he is the utmost of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's even hard to talk about. And so for me, it's helpful in Genesis to just see out of the gate, like the vast you know, might and power and goodness and creativity and love, like all of those things, it's just so, it's so big, Mm -hmm. all of it, that like our words struggle to contain it, our minds, our hearts, and that to me, that's my experience reading the Bible, right, is that I get glimpses of understanding and I get glimpses of who God is. But it doesn't matter if I'm on my 15th trip through, um, you know, the Bible like you are right now, Tara Lee, that that's why every time it's the same, but it's also new to us because the depth of Him, we can't, like, we just can't. <laughs> we just it's can't. like standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon, you know, but mm-hmm. even more so. So, yeah, I love it. Genesis, what a book. That's This is uh, how I'm feeling right now is how I hope that everybody feels reading through it is I think, let's just keep reading through Genesis. Oh, no, that's, that's the, the goal, but we'll keep going. Hopefully every day there's something like that where, you know, or we just want to keep going and open the Bible and read that full book and keep reading and keep yeah. studying. One of the things I love about this approach, and it's been rich for me and with you, I just I hope it is the same for all of you guys, that I just keep thinking – wow, what would we miss if we didn't have 
this book of the Bible and scripture. So like we would miss so much if we didn't have mm-hmm. Genesis and like if we didn't have Exodus, if we didn't have Leviticus, like what would we be missing? And to me, that kind of like reverse psychology <laughs> helps me to see just the beauty and the value and like how rich each book of the Bible is and how necessary. It's almost like it was included on purpose. It's almost like it was included on purpose. <laughs> Oh, uh, should we move? It's, it feels sad to move on from Genesis, but then we get <laughs> Exodus. Oh, there's Exodus. so there's 65 more good ones in here, guys. I know. They're going to keep being good. No, there's 64. No, um... I don't love Ezekiel. <laughs> oh no, I love Ezekiel. We'll talk. We'll come back. We need to hang out. We'll you got to get me there. I'll, I can. We can have a talk. I have a not a weird love, but I'm always talking about it. I love the prophets. So we'll. We'll circle back. Maybe, I mean, yeah. she kind of gritted her teeth when she said that, if that's any. I love the prophets. <laughs> um, she really does. I think we, I mean, this is very tentative, but I, we might be doing Ezekiel again with the community. So maybe we'll have you on for that podcast and see if we can convince Please. you. I really see, believe wait, that the Lord can get me there. We've never done I've it. seen my You're heart right. change with other books of the Bible, and I believe I can get there with Ezekiel. Yes. Do so you know how? I'm hanging out. I'm holding out hope. <laughs> How accessible it becomes when we say, well, Tara Lee is here and she doesn't really like Ezekiel, so join us. Yes. Like, I would <laughs> I be like, like listen, if she, Perfect. I'm in. We I have made it very publicly known that I don't want to live anywhere near Ezekiel in the kingdom. I would like to live near <laughs> Apollos. I have a big crush on Apollos. I will blush if I start talking about him for too long. But Ezekiel, I'd like for him to be just in the neighborhood over, please, Lord. <laughs> do you think that Apollos wrote Hebrews? We don't have to leave that. I do. I do think Apollos Me wrote too. Hebrews. Me too. We do too. I love Maybe it. we'll. You can leave it in for all I care. <laughs> yes. I love him. Everyone um, can judge us. Judge us as you will. Everyone please, everyone please send us your theories on who wrote, who wrote Hebrews. We'll, we'll, we'll love <laughs> reading them. My cheeks are hurting from smiling. From joy. At, yes. <laughs> um, from Bible nerd joy. But I also really do love Exodus. Exodus was one of the mm-hmm. um, first books that I worked on here when I started it, She Reads Truth. We did it for That's Lent. That's right. Um, oh, and such a good book for yes, Lent. Yes. And it was just, you know, coming to work at She Reads Truth where what we say is we're reading the Bible. We're going to open it. We're going to read the whole book. We're not going <laughs> to skip parts that maybe we would like to skip. We're not going to skip the parts that maybe your pastor doesn't preach a full sermon on. We're going to read it straight through. <laughs> and, you know, I I grew up in the church. I love the word. I went to an undergraduate where I studied the Bible. I have a little bit of seminary, not a completed degree. I dropped out. But I'm back in. I'll finish it all. I'll stay strong. But I'd read the Bible and read a lot about the Bible, but it's sort of what you were saying at the beginning, Terry. I hadn't ever sat and read a lot of the Bible straight through as it as it's written, you know, mm-hmm. as it as it comes together without a lot of outside commentary. And so when I started working here and we read through Exodus, I was just so I cried. I cried at a meeting. It was a really good first impression at a new job. You guys were all really wonderful and, we love and acceptable. But but I was just so moved by our God as a God who saves, our God as a God who, you know, brings people out of oppression and slavery and gives them himself, mm-hmm. first and foremost, gives them community, gives them structure, gives them a society, makes them into a people. I just, anyway, I love Exodus. I can talk about Exodus for the rest of this time, but I think that a great place to start with that in a song that really captures that piece of Exodus, one of those heartbeats of Exodus, mm-hmm. is part of Israel's song from Exodus 15. If you guys don't mind, I would love to read that. I was going to ask you to. I'd because, love to. Because of your love. Yeah. And I'll just read Exodus 15, 1 through 3. I'll just read a, a piece of this. But this is after God has brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He's brought them through the Red Sea. Um, and the people pause. And it says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Huh. I just <laughs> I just love that. I wish I knew the tune. I wish I could sing it for you. <laughs> um, oh, you know someone somewhere has done a, put some music to this, don't you think? Rachel Myers is not here, but I believe her daughter... Knows a version of this, but I oh, I so we're going to check in it. with Hazel and get back to you. But okay. um, but I love that passage. And just back to the same question: Who is God? He is the one who saves. He is with us. He equips us. I'll tell a quick story, and then I'll pause my ramble about how much I love Exodus and let somebody else speak I'm about their love ramble. of Exodus. But I have a daughter who's five, and she's been having some nightmares lately, which is very sad. And she asked me, which 
big question from a five-year-old that I wasn't expecting. She said, I've been praying that God would take away these dreams. And I know he could, but he isn't. Why is that? Mm. She has a lot of big theological reckoning questions. But I was just thinking about that question. And in passages like this where God didn't, you know, make the army not chase after them, right? Like he's with them through it. He's with them through the fear. He's with them in that moment of being chased, of being frightened. You know, he's their salvation, but that doesn't mean that there aren't difficulties, you know, or there aren't hard things, but it means he provides a way. He provides a way in the midst of them and he doesn't leave them. He fights for his purposes and his people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so I was just thinking about that in light of my daughter's nightmare questions that maybe he's not taking them away, but he's not leaving you alone in them, you know? And I just was thinking about that reading through this again, but I just no, love I think, Exodus. Yeah, I think we all have our version of that question mm-hmm. that she asked. You know, like, I know he can do this, so why isn't he? Right. Yeah. Goodness. Well, that'll be on a future podcast. Future we'll, podcast we'll have episode. her as a guest. But, but again, <laughs> five-year-old. It, it's why I sort of wish I knew. Maybe I'll make one up or someone's written one. But I wish I knew the tune of this because I just love that. It's like a song of encouragement. You know, the Lord is my mm-hmm. strength in my song. He has become my salvation. It's yeah. just... It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful promise about who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, what is your, if you had to give an elevator pitch for the book of Exodus, <laughs> what would that elevator pitch be? I mean, first of all, it starts out like an action movie. There's just so much going on and just lots of beauty in the way God rescues his people into relationship. Mm-hmm. And lots of metaphors that we can draw from that. It just really shows us the heart of God in that. And then, you know, we get into the portions that are the law, where in Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are given and things like that, and people start to kind of maybe detach from it. But I think one of the things that was helpful for me when I was reading through the Pentateuch and seeing these laws and, okay, why are you repeating these laws? And things like just sort of understanding that was this idea of the three types of laws that exist in the Old Testament, the civil, ceremonial, and moral laws, and sort of figuring out which category these laws fall into so I understand how these laws relate to us today. So, you know, the civil laws that are meant to just like keep peace among people so that you're not killing your neighbor and stealing mm-hmm. from your neighbor. And then the ceremonial laws, which are all those sacrificial laws and the things that that are fulfilled now in Christ. So we don't need to be sacrificing and slaughtering animals to cover mm-hmm. our sins mm-hmm. because that ceremony was finished on the cross. And then the moral laws, which reveal the heart of God to us that show us like, what he is like in his heart, what he wants for his people. And so just being able to sort of categorize and look at those gave me this lens for understanding Exodus that made it palatable to me. I could understand it. I think it's really hard when we read scripture, if we don't understand it, we're never going to love it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to love it. And so I wanted to understand it. So you got to read it and then you're going to understand it before you can love it. And so for anybody out there who hasn't, this is a really long elevator ride. My elevator pitch is long. <laughs> I I'm love sorry. it. It's a tall But building. for anybody, anybody out there who struggles, when you look at the laws, mm-hmm. ask yourself, what kind of law is this? Is it civil? Is it ceremonial? Or is it moral? Yeah. Are we understanding it appropriately? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to continue to do what you encouraged us at the top of the episode to do, Tara Lee, to look at it first to see who is God here Mm -hmm. and what's he doing, which is also a valid question. When we read scripture, sometimes we even hop past the like, what's going on in this passage? And we want to go straight to the application. Like, what does this mean about me? And that, you know, bless our hearts. That's just how we kind of look at the world, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how often do I... Yeah, Yeah. I have to confess that just sin of like Mm self-absorption all the time because I'm... Mm -hmm. I, you know, I look at the world as to how it relates to me, you know, and even in worse, the people, you know, like, am I looking at Jessica as Jessica or like, how is Jessica, (laughs) like, what is Jessica's relationship to me? Mm -hmm. Or how is Jessica impacting me? Or Mm -hmm. like, instead of just caring about the whole person, that's why Jesus's command to consider others as better than yourselves is like, I mean, that's a... That's a big command. And, but yeah, I mean, so from the jump and reading scripture, I just, I want to go straight to application and we can't, we can't even begin to. Here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't work through 
God's word. Like I think it was Whitney Caps a couple weeks ago on the podcast who said God can do a lot with a little. <laughs> mm-hmm. So even if we are, you know, who is it? It may have also been Whitney that's called it flip and dip when you would open. I can't remember who it was that said this when you just like open scripture and just like pick a place and start reading. She's like, you know, it doesn't mean that God's word is still living and active. We know that to be true. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us if we're believers in Jesus. We know that to be true. But if we want to be students of Scripture, then we have to do the uncomfortable work of figuring out, okay, what is this saying? What is this saying about God? What is this showing me about God? And then, like, eventually we get around to what does this mean for us? But the truth for me is that when I properly view God, it almost that last question just either falls in place or falls away. You know, like if it's... Because if it's a need that I have properly viewing and beholding God, it puts that in perspective. And if it's a conviction, then, you know, then that will come mm-hmm. come as well. But Well, and I think there are a lot of, in, you know, instructions or things that we're called to as the people of God. But I think that you're right, that it's understanding who God is and who we are in relationship to Him and who other people are that it actually equips us to be obedient. Mm-hmm. You know, when we actually right. understand the heart behind something, that's when we actually can obey, when we can follow. Mm-hmm. It's when we when we understand. You know, it, right. it just it makes it possible. It also is encouraging because when we understand who God is and what he's intending for us, that equips us to obey in a different way. Yeah. Because the heart of the matter is our desire for him, our desire to follow after him, not just, you know, dotting our I's and crossing our T's. Yeah. Yeah, that's well put. Thank you. Listen, you're welcome. As it so happens, this conversation about about law, it really tees us up well as we go into Leviticus, but I would love for us to read just one more passage, and this is before, right before the Ten Commandments when Moses goes up the mountain to the Lord. And they're just such a beautiful... There's a beautiful summary from God <laughs> to Moses right here. Um, Terry, I'm wondering if you'd read it for us. It's in Exodus 19, and I'm looking at verses 3 through 6. Exodus 19, 3 through 6. Here we go. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now... If you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Yeah, and that's kind of the story of Scripture, right? (laughs) Of God bringing us out of slavery, bringing us to Himself, and then setting us apart to be to be his possession and to be priests, a kingdom of priests. And then we get to see in Leviticus, I want to talk to these people who Leviticus is their favorite book of the Bible because I have an appreciation for Leviticus, but I am not to that point yet. Is it your favorite? Terry, do you have a favorite? favorite? Okay. Hebrews is my current favorite because, you know, Apollos wrote it, I think. So, um, I do <laughs> Back love to our it, old pal Apollos. Yeah, exactly. He's That's never so not good. on my mind. I really like when you read Leviticus alongside Hebrews, not just mm-hmm. to bring Apollos back in, but Leviticus and Hebrews have this beautiful just relationship together where we see all of these ceremonial laws and all of these requirements and then... You see Jesus being the fulfillment of all of those things. And these things are like, Leviticus is just this arrow pointing toward Jesus, our deep Mm -hmm. need for him, my deep gratitude for him. Like Mm -hmm. it will, it's a reality check is what it is. God's holiness is on display, right, in Leviticus and, and how he is set apart and how he is calling his people to be set apart. He's not only the perfect sacrifice, but he's the perfect priest. Like he's just this all-encompassing like how great is our need for him? It's just Yeah. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Yep. And so the theme verse that we pulled out for Leviticus comes to us in chapter 20 and it's verse 26, you are to be holy to me 
because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. So that's echoing what we just read Mm -hmm. in Exodus, right? Like he's doing a thing here. He's writing a story. He's setting us apart to be his. And just, you know, way after way (laughs) that he is calling them to be set apart. And then it just so happens we have a lot of Hebrews in this reading day paired with Leviticus. And you get, you know, I love the picture of the priest. This is Hebrews 10, verse 11. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And so that... That is why, like, that's the beauty of Leviticus is the holiness of God and the pointing to the perfection and the one time for all sacrifice mm. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's stunning, really, when we take time to really look at it for what it is. So we've three of five right now. Three of five. And we move on to numbers. Terry, what is it about numbers? Because you said something about numbers earlier. How did you put it? Oh, that you would just be crying. <laughs> Reading numbers. Yeah. yeah, there are definitely parts of numbers that, you know, the story of the spies in the land, which is one of the things that you you sort of touch on in the study that we're going through here. That to me is so, that story is just so poignant with Joshua and Caleb and their willingness to believe the word of God in the face of all the other leaders around them disbelieving the word of God and the promise of God and all they see are the giants as opposed to the land and the beauty and believing the promise of God and how the fear of those other 10 spies just corrupted the... And because of that, because everybody believed their fear, which was contagious, then nobody got to enter the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. Mm -hmm. Like everybody else, God was like, and now you have to stay in the wilderness for 40 years so I can kill off all you guys. Like, it's just, that's the moment when things turn for them, when it's like, okay, 40 years until everybody dies. And just the beauty of this, the tenacity of God's faithfulness to them, they believed it. Like, they had Mm -hmm. seen it, and they believed it, and they reaped the benefits of holding on to that. And um, there have just been spaces in my life where the other leaders around me were saying something different or where I was the person who was fearful and I was watching my fear be contagious for other people. And, you know, I just, I've been every person in that story. If we're trying to figure out, you know, who we are in the word of God, like, you know, but, but ultimately each of those people, the solution for them would be to look for God, look for God. The reason they're afraid is because they aren't looking for God. The reason they don't believe the promises of God is they don't remember the character of God because they're not looking for the character of God. And so just in every space, every person in that story would benefit from beholding who God is. And so it's just a really critical reminder for me because I've been every one of those people. Because it's easy for us to read in Numbers 14 when... The community, it says they're like in, they're crying and they're weeping and they're saying like, if only we had died in Egypt or can't we just go back to Egypt? And so, I mean, they're actually making a claim that like we would be better off if we just either were dead or went back into slavery. If God and, had I never mean, rescued us, in is that, wild. And that yeah. feels wild as a reader. You read that and you go like, that's crazy. But mm-hmm. when you're living it, You are physically and in space and time, like removed from that miraculous deliverance, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not looking for God. And like you said, you're not looking toward that. Instead, you're looking at your circumstances. Then there's no orientation there. Like you are the definition of disoriented, right? You don't Mm -hmm. have, don't have your eyes fixed on the true north, like the one that doesn't change and the one that stands still when everything around us changes. And so mm-hmm. I've been those people too, you know, where you're just like, well, I wish that I were back in such and such, like the darkness that I'm familiar mm-hmm. with, as opposed to the light that's very uncertain to me and that I can't see. Yeah. And the Lord's words to Moses there in verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me despite all the signs I have performed among them? I mean, it just breaks my heart for them and for me when I'm them, (laughs) you know, and this is a lot of the story of the Old Testament is this cycle of forgetfulness and returning 
to sin and turning from the Lord and then in the Lord's call, you know, through prophet after mm-hmm. prophet and to turn to me, seek me and live, you know, I am the Lord. And it's why I think that the three of us are both convicted and passionate about turning to scripture because it is a tangible way that we can turn our eyes to God every day and remember remember who he is. What you just read, I think, is also a really great setup for Deuteronomy, which is the last book that we'll touch on this week. Mm-hmm. So Deuteronomy is the second law. And what this is, is before the generation of the Israelites that are allowed to enter the promised land does so, Moses has a series of addresses where he repeats the law that was given at mm-hmm. Sinai to the people. And what's so beautiful is they are given an opportunity to say yes to what God is inviting them to in Deuteronomy. And so we're talking about this generation that had been at Sinai, this generation that refused into the promised land that had to wander, you know, and and died off in the desert. And now their descendants are finally able to go in. And in Deuteronomy, they walk through the whole thing again. And God says, here's what I've done for you. Mm -hmm. Here's what I will do for you. Here's what it will mean for you to be my people. Blessings, curses, everything that's part of it. Do you want it? And they say yes. And so I just love that even even looking at that story of these people who are afraid and looking at who is God and what is God's heart and and how does he relate to us, I just love that where we land this week is on another opportunity for them to choose God. Yeah. Um, and so it just shows you who he is um, when he talks about his faithfulness and his love and his character. I love that that leads into even Deuteronomy, you know, and this, this invitation. Yeah. I love, you know, Deuteronomy, second law, by the time this is being spoken to the people, that first generation, Mm -hmm. these are their descendants who likely, you know, they weren't at Sinai. They weren't there the first time this was given and and spoken. And so for a lot of people, when they're like, why does this need to be repeated? It's like, these are new people, which what does that reveal about God to us? It shows how he's very specific. Like he has a relationship with a people and he has a relationship with individual people within the people. Yeah. And, And so it's like, yes, I already said it. I'll say it again. You need to hear it again. <laughs> and so yes. like, here we go. New group of people. Let's circle everybody up. We're going to give you the law again so that you know before you go in what to expect. And, you know, this book is is vital in the relationship that those people had with God. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book. Like, yes. this is meaty. Yes. He quoted it in the desert when he was being tempted. Mm-hmm. Like it's the words of Deuteronomy that came out of his mouth. I mean, that's a big deal. I love some of the language, just that God's relentless love and faithfulness that here in Deuteronomy 7, this is leading up to the key verse, Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, actually, the Lord had his heart set on you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all the peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. He brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Then here's our key verse. Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. And that's what you just said, like a thousand generations. Like we, as the individual people within the people, Mm -hmm. right, struggle so much to remain faithful to God, but God is faithful generation after generation after generation. And, you know, I'm not going to balk at Deuteronomy being the law given again because I need to hear, the, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I need, we need to remind ourselves we're so forgetful. And then we get your book here, Tara Lee. We get some Hebrews in this day in nine. This might be a great place for us to lay in the plane, gals. I wish we had more time. But would you read for us? We were You were talking earlier, Tara Lee, about Jesus as our high priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you read for us from Hebrews 9, 11 through 12? I will. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation— He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Yeah. So we're back in the elevator. What does that mean? Tell me what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So much 
had to be done to draw near to the presence of God when we read about the sacrifices in the Old Testament. So much had to be done to draw near. And Jesus, who was not made like the tabernacle, was not made like goats and calves, and was not made like with hands. He has always existed, always. He is the one who made a way for us to enter into relationship with the Father. And so because of His perfect sacrifice, we don't have to make sacrifices. Because Mm -hmm. like He is the way to the Father. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the door. All of those things where He establishes the relationship between us and the Father. He's the way we're adopted into the family, not by our works, not by our righteousness, not by our sacrifices or by our obedience, but by our faith in Him, our relationship with Him, which is a gift from Him to us. Even He does the doing even in that, which is amazing. It is. It's all His work. It is. And it's all here. Like we get the gift of this story and it's available for us to read. And I just, I would just plead with us and I'm including me in this group, like don't let intimidation or even fear of misunderstanding keep us from reading this story, this story Mm -hmm. that matters more than any other story. Mm -hmm. It's not just important. It's urgent it just matters. And the more we know the story, the more we see the story playing out around us. And we can truly, we talked, you know, we just got out of a study called the kingdom of God. We can truly be ambassadors for the kingdom if, you know, the more we know the kingdom. And I'm so floored. I want to keep going. And that is the point, right? That's the point. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Just keep going. Keep returning to these books day after day with us. And let's just, we're just going to dip a toe in each book, but in an intentional way so that we can keep building this framework so that when we go back through and really start digging in, we kind of know the lay of the land, right? So I just Mm -hmm. encourage you guys to keep going. Tara Lee, could you just be here every week? That would be great. (laughs) I would love that. I would love that. This has been great. We're just gonna... It makes me want to go, you know, read through the Pentateuch right now. Yes. Like, can I just go sit down and <sighs> jump in? Listen, you know? a group of women excited about the Pentateuch. That's what the world needs right now. Yes. I, I truly believe that. Listen, we, we um, say every day on the Bible recap, we say we end with, he's where the joy is. And I mean, oh, tr- I, love I that. feel that in this conversation mm-hmm. with you guys, like I have so much joy in just talking about these books. That that has come from reading these books, because truly, like, there's so much joy for us in beholding who God is. Amen. Well, we're going to keep it up. Next week, we are going to start with the book of Joshua, and we're going to do Joshua through 2 Samuel. There's some good stuff in there, you guys. Don't miss it. And this is where we're going to be. We're going to be right here in our This is the Old Testament study for the next seven weeks. And so we're just biting off this elephant one week at a time. (laughs) Whatever. That's a terrible mixed metaphor. But you just, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it together. This is the kind of thing you want to do with friends. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. it makes it so much more delightful. What is it they say about uh, a great album? No skips. That's the Bible. No skips. (laughs) Nice. The whole thing straight through. That's right. No skips. That's right. Well, we're just thrilled to continue going through this. And... We do truly hope to have you back soon, Terry. No pressure, but also looking a little forward bit of pressure. to it. A little tiny <laughs> bit of pressure. Um, one thing that we do love to do after we've looked and we've read scripture together and talked about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there, and we found a lot of it today with you, is we like to ask our guests, "Where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth in your life right wow. now?" Wow. Um, it's a strange answer. It's a strange oh, good. answer. I love those are my favorite. I, right. I have a dear friend, uh, Melanie Penn. She's a singer songwriter that I know from when I lived in New York City. And she is on Instagram right now documenting her father's death of cancer. Oh, wow. And she is documenting it in the most Godward, loving, honoring way that I lost my sister to cancer about five years mm. ago. And I did not grieve that. Thoroughly. And so I'm finding so much of the Lord's nearness and tenderness and being able to walk alongside Melanie and her loss while also it's like she's walking alongside me and mine as well. Oh, so just, you know, if you want to see what it looks like to grieve unto the Lord and to grieve in a way that glorifies God, that's where I'm seeing it right now. I'm watching God be glorified. We'll link to her in the show notes as yeah. well. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's gonna that's gonna yeah. minister very specifically to some mm-hmm. people. 
right now. Mm-hmm. And, and he I'm may grateful. have passed by the time this airs, but just know it is possible to grieve unto the Lord. Yeah. That trust and hope and joy right. and grief can be commingled, they can coexist, and sadness mm-hmm. does not dishonor God. Ooh. Oh, that's that's a bumper sticker that, that I need. Me... Like as a tattoo, I need just right here on my forearm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to sit. Time for all the tattoo talk. That's all right. Um, <laughs> I want to sit in that like the rest of the day. That's Sadness really... does not dishonor God. That's a good word. Well, you are welcome here. Anytime. Our door is always open. Tara Lee, we're so thankful for our time you. with you. Friends, come back next week. We're going to keep going. And until then, Tara Lee, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>